Welcome to FMH InsureCast, a podcast created by Farmers Mutual Hale, designed to deliver expertise and insights from trusted FMH team members and industry experts. Each new episode will dive into new products, industry updates, and innovative solutions. Let's get to today's topic. Hello and welcome back to the FMH InsureCast. On today's episode, we're talking about the concerns farmers are facing with input markets, especially now in September, while some are making fertilizer purchases before harvest. We will also discuss some crop insurance considerations with current fertilizer prices in mind. Here with me is Ken Ripley, frequent voice on the InsureCast and also a farmer. Hey, Ryan, how are you doing today? Good. How about you? So uh, talk to me a little bit, Ken, about why we're talking about this now. Yeah. So right now, you know, being a farmer, actually, one of the main things we're doing right now is taking a look, like you said, into inputs, but also making some decisions on some available crop insurance uh, items out there like margin protection. And so since that has a component of inputs, we thought it'd be great to see what are the fertilizers going to do? What's the world? There's a lot of things going on in the world and how all that ties in to help maybe support or help scope our decision regarding uh, some of the insurance options. Perfect. Perfect. And that is why we're very excited to have a guest from StoneX on here, Vice President of Fertilizer, Josh Linville. He's going to give us some insight on what's happening and what to look out for in the fertilizer markets. Josh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. To, uh, yeah, to cover all the uh, things going on, how many hours are we doing this podcast for? <laughs> uh, we, you have about 15, 20 minutes, so oh, let's do your we'll, best. We'll figure it out. <laughs> all right. Well, you are a popular guy, so we don't want to take too much of your time. So we're going we're gonna to jump right in. Um, just give us high level. What's the latest going on in the fertilizer markets? Well, it depends on which product you're looking at. And uh, typically, like most everybody, we break it into nitrogen, phosphate, potash. The nitrogen market right now is almost solely focused in on the European situation, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the pushback from the world. Um, we have lost the vast majority of European nitrogen production because Russia has cut natural gas flows due to their pushback in the Ukrainian invasion. So whether that continues, if those supplies of natural gas remain shut off for a long time, whether you know, it seems like here recently the Ukrainian counteroffensive is taking hold and are they going to push Russia out? Is Putin going to be removed? You see more and more Russian nationals talking about he needs to be removed. So that the European theater is really the focus of the global nitrogen. Phosphate continues to be focused in on China. Uh, the Chinese government has very much restricted the export of nitrogen and phosphate. Nitrogen, it hurts. Phosphate, it's enormous because they are one of the they are the biggest exporter. They are the biggest producer. And then uh, when we look at potash, it's all about Belarus. 20% uh, of global exports come from Belarus. And because of their participation in this invasion of Ukraine, they can't reach the world market. They're largely shut out. And we've lost 20% of that marketplace. So each one has something that's similar, but each one kind of has its own different point of view. Gotcha, gotcha. So obviously a lot going on globally there. What's the next shoe to drop or something that you're looking at very closely? Um, in the next, I say, six months or so? Well, and again, that kind of comes back to which product we're talking about. Um, but yeah. I would say the biggest things we're watching, it's twofold. Number one, of course, is the European situation, uh, the natural gas situation there. Because if we were to see, let's say we marched down that very, very narrow road with a lot of ifs and ands and things like that all coming together, and Putin is replaced with somebody Western friendly, well, all of a sudden we start moving back to normal very quickly. Nitrogen production comes back online. 
and the nitrogen market could see prices down significantly. The other side of it is, and this is more of a short-term situation, is trying to figure out what do we have right in front of us? We have fall literally six weeks away from starting. So what does this fall look going to look like? Are we going to see demand destruction? Are we going to see fall applicators switch until spring? Are we going to see normal application periods? Is Mother Nature going to play right? There's a lot of these things that we need to see what happens that's going to give us a better view of what do we expect this winter? What do we expect next spring? The fall sets a table. Sure, sure. Ken, I'm going to give you a chance to reflect on some of that. That's a lot of great information right off yeah. the top. Yeah, I've been taking notes here. This is really good info. <laughs> um, so question I have then is if you're, you know, if you're a producer that hasn't jumped on board with inputs at this point, um, do you have a recommendation one way or the other? I mean, obviously there's a, this could go pendulum could go one way or the other. Is there certain products that you should be jumping on? Obviously P and K like to get applied at the same time. Um, so what's your insight on that, Josh? Well, I'm going to give you my, uh, my political prowess. It depends. How's that written out? Not answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, tongue in cheek, right? But in all seriousness, it really comes down to the operation. And this isn't a one size fits all question. This is really going to come down to where are you located? What is your crop? What are your weather conditions? What is your yield potential? All of these things need to go into it. And I, I know for a lot of people, that's a frustrating answer because they want the easy buy it today or wait. But there is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all, especially with the volatility that we see. So what we are trying to sit there and tell the farmer is that if you look at the price of the fertilizer and you look at the price of the grain, let's say December 23 corn, in the fertilizer market, corn is king like everything else. If you can buy your fertilizer and sell your grain for 23, and that is a profit you are happy with, that is your answer. If you're in an outlying fringe acre and you look at your uh, balance sheet for 2023 and you say, all my inputs and what I can sell my crop for, it is not in the black. It's going to be bleeding red. We wait and we wait and see. But unfortunately, that's the that's the hard part of it. I, I can tell you phosphate and potash values have been sliding uh, globally and here in the U.S. market. Nitrogen has been holding on, holding its breath, waiting to see what else happens in Europe. But both of those could change in a matter of days, in a matter of hours. So unfortunately, this volatility is not going to go away. And I think we need to... And I'm going to say this. I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do. We need to move away from we need to know when the bottom is to buy it and the top is to sell it. And we need to start picking our battles and saying, I'm okay with this. I'm going to lock it in. And frankly, if our worst 2023 decision is profitable, I will take that year, year after year after year. Yeah. Yeah. So, Josh, I got I got a question. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about we're, we're talking here about farmers making those purchases. Um, but a lot of what you're doing is looking at wholesale prices and what is the connection between retail and wholesale prices? And does that matter between um, the retailers is, is the, is the tail on buying a high cost wholesale uh, versus the retail prices? What is the tail on those prices uh, on a retail side? Well, and again, that's something that depends on the time of year. It depends on where you're situated. You know, the further you get away from the Gulf of Mexico, for example, the harder it is, the longer it is to get product to your warehouse. And a lot of these retailers are looking at these markets the exact same way the farmers are, with a lot of angst, with a lot of worry. And so they are stuck in a weird situation. Do I go ahead and load the house and hope to God that the farmer shows up with a check in hand in season and that the prices haven't fallen to the floor? 
a lot of the industry has lived through the 2008 cycle. They saw a lot of friends and family lose their businesses, lose their jobs because they put product in place, hoping that farmer shows up. Um, you know, a market is always very quick to move higher and very slow to move lower. And it's not just fertilizer. We saw it. Heck, I saw it with Lowe's and lumber. I had to wait a while before the lumber price started to come off so I could start working on the honeydew list. That's just the way markets are because when the market moves up, everybody runs in to buy the product and we get rid of our cheap supply. If we want these retailers to stick around, they've got to put some product in place. And that sometimes means they're a little bit on the higher side and it takes a little bit longer for that to correct. As far as putting an actual number of days, that's again, it just, there's a lot of variables there. Yep. Yep. So you mentioned, uh, you know, distance from the Gulf of Mexico that can uh, vary local prices. Is there any other factors? I mean, you, you've mentioned a couple, but are there any other bigger factors that can vary local markets as far as retailers go? Yeah, I mean, you're talking where are you at in the continent? Where are you at in North America? It's the time mm-hmm. of year. It's what the crop are you looking at? You know, when do you actually actually put on your fertilizer? We guys are going to put it on differently than corn guys will. It's it, it, it and like I said, that's why it's so difficult to answer that question of when should these guys buy? Because when it varies from crop to crop to crop, it's a very different answer. Yeah, and just just today I heard. Uh, Rummings, I haven't been paying attention, but it sounds like there's potentially some striking coming on from some workers in the rail industry. So I'm sure that'll have a big impact just on moving these products around. Yeah, it's I've been getting that question asked a lot here today and yesterday. Everybody's like, oh my gosh. And it, frankly, a lot of people in the fertilizer industry are just kind of like, well, yeah, sure. It's another black swan event, whatever. We're getting mm-hmm. so used to these crazy <laughs> things happening. We're not even shunned by it anymore or, or shocked by it. I, I will say... Today, the rail situation does not worry me. I would say most of the product that we need for fall is already in place. So as of today, it's not worrisome. We're okay. And I think the railroad workers, I think they're brilliant on their timing. Wait until just before harvest. Wait until just before fertilizer when you have that demand spike on rail shipments. Flex your muscle. That is, you want in a negotiation, you want that power. Wait until just before they need you the worst. Step up and say, oh, by the way, I'm worth more than you're paying me. Give me my money or you're in deep trouble. So I think it's a brilliant play on their part. I think that, you know, when it all comes together, these guys will come to the table. They will get this figured out. But the problem is November 1 is six weeks away from today. It's not very far away. And if this thing, if we start getting two or three weeks into the strike and we haven't gotten anywhere, now we've got problems because we need to start pre-shipping product to get ready for that application season. Once you get behind, it's very difficult to catch up because fall season is not that long. Yeah. So is there any particular um, fertilizer that you are most concerned about as far as supply chain issues, whether it be the railroad strikes or something else where there actually literally isn't product to be had? I would say in my, when I look at the markets, I am the most concerned about nitrogen because when we start looking out there globally, we've lost quite a bit. You know, Europe production, that accounts for about 5% of total capacity. Uh, Chinese exports, they account for 10% of global exports. Russia accounts for 14% of global exports. You start to see these situations where a very large chunk of the world market is controlled by players who we're not exactly friendly with today. And players like Russia have figured out, while I may be suffering militarily, I figured out I can do one better. I don't need to shoot guns or fire missiles at people. Under the right circumstance, I can starve them. I don't need to export energy. And I think that uh, President Putin knows that now. That worries me. 
phosphate. Uh, it, it, there's some worry there because China is the largest producer in the world, largest exporter. But again, because that demand is elastic, you, you can scale back when prices get high. I'm not as worried there. Potash is actually one that I could see much better scenarios here in a couple of years. Once these Canadian projects, these Russian projects, possibly African projects, Belarus returns to the global export table, you could actually see a market that's actually very, very flush in supply, which means, of course, prices go down. But yeah, right now, nitrogen's at the forefront, as it always is. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that's great information. Maybe not always the, the sunniest of information, but good stuff. Is there anything else, Josh, that you would want to share with farmers um, as they're going into harvest here and thinking about the, the 23 crop? Uh, there's two things I usually uh, end with as far as suggestions. And again, this is just me. Take it for what it's worth. That and a quarter will buy you a cup of coffee someplace. But the number one is it, it, when you look at these numbers, it's going to be very, very easy to get emotional, to get upset. And let me take it from somebody who's made more than my fair share of angry decisions. None of them ever work out. They don't. They, my wife will tell you all the times I've screwed stuff up because I made a really, really mad decision. It's the same thing. And you guys are dealing with millions of dollars. I mean, when you look at all the inputs and the cost and everything like that, be angry, be mad. But when it comes time to make decisions, sit down at the desk and let the numbers talk. If it makes sense logically to lock it in, do it. If it doesn't, wait and see what happens. And the other one I always talk about is looking at all the volatility. I know a lot of people take this approach of, I want to buy the low of fertilizer and I want to sell the high of grain. I want to have a Lamborghini in my garage and six-pack abs by eating pizza every day. It's not going to happen each time. We're dealing with very, very volatile markets. And the best thing I can advise, I'm not so scared that somebody buys their fertilizer and sells their grain and the price of fertilizer drops and the price of grain goes up. That's not what worries me the most. I, I, I don't want to see that happen. But my biggest fear is that you buy your fertilizer and the price of corn goes from six to four or that you sell your corn at 550 and the price of fertilizer doubles or triples. That's what really keeps me up at night. And as a farmer, your best hedge right now is if you buy the input, sell the output and vice versa. Those are the two big things I try to leave people with. Yeah. Did you hear that, Ken? Don't be emotional. <laughs> Boy, that is very tough to do. Ken's, <laughs> thinking, I keep, Ken's thinking that statement makes me to, mad. <laughs> I keep trying to eat pizza too, but I, I don't see those abs coming around. Yeah. So, <laughs> Josh, thank you so much for joining our show. Um, before we let you go, uh, Twitter, you have a newsletter, share with us a little bit more information where we can um, hear more good information from you. Yeah, I try to put information on Twitter each day of the business week or uh, each business day, each Monday through Friday, just try and put something out there to keep everybody up to date. Fertilizers one, information is very hard to come by. We are trying to change that. You know, how do you eat an elephant? It's, it's a bite at a time. So we're doing what we can there, putting stuff out. And if you want more information, we put out a monthly farmer newsletter. Uh, you can find the registration. If you go find me on Twitter at J Linville for uh, J L I N is Nancy V is Victor I L L E F E R T. We put the registration link on there every once in a while. And if you don't find it, if you don't see it, just ask me, uh, shoot me a direct message, send me a message on Twitter, whatever, and we'll get you hooked up. But yeah, we're trying to do a deep dive once a month to say, here's what's happened. Here's what we think might happen. It's not always going to be right. If I was always right again, that Lambo isn't not in the garage yet. So I've got some more, uh, <laughs> Got some more to try and get right out here. All right. Josh, thank you again for joining us. Really appreciate it. And uh, don't don't be too busy. I'll try not to. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Josh.
Okay, Ken, that's a, we got a lot to uh, soak in here a little bit. Um, so we're sitting here in September and um, basically we've got a couple things that we're looking at. First, I think is staring us right in the face is margin protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we just heard was, you know, input costs are very volatile. What are your instincts when we, we, we understand the margin protection policy, but when you're hearing the information Josh has just given us, what are your takeaways in, in regards to the margin protection policy? Yeah, so one of them, definitely a note I wrote down was, you know, um, nitrogen. So clearly that last year in 2022 moved the dial the most on inputs as far mm-hmm. as from our discovery we had right now till April. Not saying we're going to match that because last year, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we were up. 50 bucks an acre, I think, on the costs from September till April. Um, Don't know if we can go there because we're starting higher than we were in 2022. 2023's margin is starting at a higher point. But having said that, that did move the dial on the input side of things. And one thing that we mentioned in a previous uh, podcast was margin protection is protecting wholesale prices on fertilizer, not retail. So it's one of the things I know you know, farmers get confused on is understanding that we're not protecting what we're paying at the, at the local retailer. We're protecting what it is on the board. So um, good and bad with that, but uh, it definitely uh, to Josh's point, Hey, sell the, sell the one product, sell the other product or buy the one product, sell the other one. If you're not going to do all that margin definitely fits that bill for, for providing that support. If that's, if you're not on the fence to go both ways, it gives you that tool. Yes, Ken. I think that is a perfect uh, summary of kind of what I was thinking is, you know, when I heard him say that, I was like, you know, that is the right way to do this. But oftentimes farmers just don't, you know, make both of those transactions at the same time. And in in an easy way, I guess, uh, to do it without doing it is through margin protection. Um, Give yourself some real yield protection and protection against those prices on the input side going higher, going against you. Um, that is another way to protect yourself from the risks that we face. So any other thoughts on margin, Ken? Yeah. I mean, as we've talked in the past, there's there's no question the cost of margin itself is higher. A um, lot to do with over a dollar higher spring price when we're talking corn. Mm-hmm. And we have a much higher volatility, which is driving some of that price up. But if volatility means anything, um, this price is, the market at some point is saying this price ain't going to hold. So is it 23? I don't know. And that's the challenge as producers. I think it goes back to Josh's point. If you can lock in a profit with something, whether it's locking in with $6 through margin or through that grain sale, hey, there's money to be made in 23 and let's not leave it all on the table. Yeah, no. And I think that's going to transition to the to the last point I think uh, we can make here, which is as we're looking forward to the spring, we're going to have a crop insurance decision in the spring. Even if we have purchased margin protection already, um, we have that underlying policy protection uh, choice to make. And I think the important part I take out of this is something that we talk about all the time is we have to do, we, we do have to know our costs of production. And so keeping track of our costs as we're accumulating them throughout the next six months or so, so that we can sit down with our agent and look and see, okay, this is what I'm expecting to have 
as far as dollars put into this crop. And now let's look at the insurance options that can actually cover that dollar amount. Um, ideally, you've already taken some risks off the table, as we just talked about, by maybe making some, some forward sales. But if not, at the very least, um, if you want your crop insurance agent to do their best job in protecting you as a farmer, we have to know what those input costs are so that we can get adequate coverage. Um, it's not just about looking at those premiums from 85 down to 70 and picking the one that feels right. Um, we, we need to know what those costs of production are. Um, any other takeaways from this? I mean, really good information. It makes you feel small when he's talking about, uh, you know, potash and Belarus and, uh, and, you know, (laughs) a literal, literal conflicts a half a world away and how those can impact, uh, our bottom lines. So, yeah, a lot to see. I mean, obviously like say one minute, one day, one year, who knows where we're going to be at, uh, with all these things, but yeah, it's, it is definitely a global market. There's no question. Excellent. Excellent. Well, this is our last InsureCast on margin protection. If you have any questions about margin protection, be sure to talk to your FMH agent and please follow Josh Linville at jlinvillefurt on Twitter. Excellent information. I follow him on Twitter and he is posting quite often with some really good information about the fertilizer market. So if you do like this episode, please subscribe to the FMH InsureCast on whatever platform you are listening to this on. And thank you and join us again soon. Thank you. You've been listening to FMH InsureCast. We appreciate you joining us today and would like to hear from you. If you have questions about today's topic or an idea to share for an upcoming podcast, you can contact us at fmhpodcast at fmh.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for information purposes only. See policy provisions, terms, and conditions for details. Products underwritten by Farmers Mutual Hail Insurance Company of Iowa and its affiliates, West Des Moines, Iowa. Farmers Mutual Hail is an equal opportunity provider.